morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, Joey. It's been a long morning. time since we talked to each other. Yeah, it's been a yeah, long time. It's, been... it's funny because I've been doing uh, some podcasts in the past few days <laughs> and everyone that I'm talking is like, oh, it's been a while, you know? Yeah. But in, in most cases, it's been like, um, I guess, two years. Yeah, could be. Not even sure if it's it's been before Corona or somewhere in between. I yeah. have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> could be. How have you been? Uh, pretty good. No complaints. Uh, during the Corona period, uh, marketing-wise, things were... In the beginning, I was like, okay, what's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it, are, is the work still coming in or is it going down or what, what is going on? Uh, but actually, the thing was that People couldn't perform on stage, uh, not just in the dance scene, but in all scenes. And that meant they went into the studio. So actually, um, I was more busy than ever. And usually during summer, uh, when all festivals are taking place and things like that, that's the more kind of like relaxed period because everybody's on stage. Yeah. But during summer uh, of 2020 and 21, it is, uh, it was really extremely busy. Sometimes I really had to let go of work. Because yeah. it was that busy, so yeah. Crazy, but now right? it, but now it's back to, to normal. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Nice. And you uh, rebuilt the studio, <coughs> the studio. Uh yeah, some time ago. About yeah, actually, the day when the lockdown started, a uh, construction worker came over. They took down our bathroom and they took down a lot of things, including parts of my studio. And yeah, we did a full rebuild of the office. Uh, the bathroom, of course, nice. but also part of the studio. So the complete back wall is totally different uh, and some other things. So, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. And, and that the, the office part is also the construction work part because uh, next to my mastering studio, I also own uh, Dutch Audio, which is a brand for high-end uh, studio equipment for uh, yeah, mastering studios, mixing studios worldwide. Mm-hmm. And we simply needed the office because uh, I was – making this equipment really high-end equipment in a, in a really small corner in the attic and it, it, it just didn't work so i needed uh, a way better place than uh, what i had so now we have that place and things are still growing and expanding and we yeah. hire uh, we're hiring a software uh, developer now and uh, we're going to work with dealers and it's going to be pretty huge actually so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. still remember that last time we talked, you mentioned that you were working on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, you the last thing I know is that a big mastering guy was using your plugin. True. Yeah, it's not a plugin. It's 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 uh, hardware. Yeah, hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Bob Cutts, which is one of yeah. the most famous mastering engineers worldwide. He write, wrote basically the Bible of mastering to a lot of mastering engineers and also people not into mastering. They read that book or have that book or know at least about that book. Dutch guy or... No, no, no. It's an American guy. Okay. And um, uh, about the funny thing is that about, I think about 50% of all the equipment that I built is going to the USA. And only maybe like <clears throat> 3 to 4%, maybe 5% stays in the Netherlands. The rest uh-huh. is just all over the place, all over the world, from Australia to Taiwan to the USA to, uh, I don't know, like everywhere. And how, but, how do they find you? Like how... Yeah, how did they find yeah, that's, you? That, that's really funny. We never did anything with promotion or marketing or, or whatever. Uh, it it just basically happened. And all of a sudden, uh, I already knew Bob Katz from the internet, from Facebook and things and groups. And all of a sudden, I got a mail, a mail from Bob like, okay, 
I see her doing these kind of things. I want one, so build me one. So I built one for him, and he was really happy about it. And he gave me some tips, like you could try this, you could do that, and he really helped me out as well. Hmm. But because Bob Katz was using one and promoting it on Facebook, on, on in mastering engineers groups, I didn't have to do anything with marketing or whatever. It, it just happened. So nice. yeah, that's really cool. And about a year and a half after that, I got another mail from Bob, like, okay, it's time to expand. So I want a bigger version now with more options and things like that. So he basically has to, well, he sold the other one, but yeah, yeah. he's he's a really good guy. And um, yeah, that really helped a lot. And okay. now, right right now, we're in the, the progress of upgrading all uh, equipment that we have. Uh, right now, the, the old version was basically a mechanical unit. So big push buttons, big turning knobs and things like that. So it was not really a clever unit. So if you had to make a recall, you had to write down everything and then you you you, you could do a recall. But now, um, actually production started. We're uh, going to release uh, new products which are computer controlled, which means nice. the, the unit itself basically looks the same, but now it has a display and encoders instead of step switches and things like that. But um, it's connected uh, through an Ethernet port, so it's connected to your network. Mm -hmm. And you're running a plugin of that device in your DAW so that you control it with automation and everything uh, from your DAW. So WaveLab, Cubase, nice, whatever yeah. you're using. And you can save all settings, which means you open the session again and bam, all of a sudden you all have, you have all settings back again. That was so, the biggest problem to me when I was looking for... Um hardware back in the days yeah what i really never really understood why people would make the leap to go to hardware is because it was so um unuser friendly uh, yeah and, it, it depends i think computers are user unfriendly i'd like <laughs> to touch buttons I'm, I'm more like an old school guy i'm 51 yeah, yeah. so i like to touch buttons i like to turn knobs and things it's it's way more intuitive but yeah, indeed true. uh also with synthesizers and things like that um or a mixer or whatever you it's not like you open a session and all of a sudden your settings are back uh but now with these kind of things uh it's possible to have at least for for the master console to have your settings back and it's also yeah. possible to automate levels and and mid-sites uh levels and things like that it's all possible then it's, and it's going to be really cool yeah. yeah and that's perfect to me because what you say like twisting the knobs was something that felt um that would be great. Like that's why I, what, that was a reason why I started to search for hardware. Mm -hmm. But then I found out, like, oh shit, I have to remind, I have to remember all the settings for each project. I was like, yeah, oh, that's true. never going to happen, you know. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the big advantage of not remembering settings, especially if you're making music, like using synthesizers, drum machines, whatever, you're actually finishing a song. You're actually. Yeah. It's creative, yeah. It's creative because it's not like, okay, I'm going to uh, extend this track later on, uh, like making the arrangement or whatever, doing the mix. No, it's not like you save all settings and you open up the settings again the next day when you're working on another project. You can only yeah. work on that project and you have to finish it. So yeah, I think that's a big advantage of working with hardware. So Yeah, you're, you're kind of being pushed to make a decision. True. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned it, it's actually a yeah. good, a good strategy yeah. to. Yeah, even also with 
what you see nowadays with plugins, uh, if you have a plugin, you see all settings like, uh, I don't know, like an EQ fre frequency. It says uh, uh, 50.253 hertz, for instance. <clears throat> I see a lot of people changing that to exactly 50 hertz by no, typing yeah. in values. Yeah. Music is not about numbers. Music is not about values. Music is about feeling like getting a great emotion out of it. And, and that's the cool thing with hardware. You're not looking at numbers. You're just turning knobs like, okay, this sounds great. And it doesn't matter if it's 50.123 or 49.8. whatever it's just yeah. it sounds great and then it is great so it's actually a really good point because there's a lot of people i know as well who want to have round numbers so yeah why a thousand why? or 1500 and not like 1128 no with hardware you don't even see those numbers so mm -hmm. you just turn knobs until it sounds great and it could be that a value just in between those numbers sounds even better so in that case, you will pick the sound that sounds better. It might not look great if you might see it on the screen, but that doesn't matter. If it yeah. sounds great, it is great. And it's about emotion. It's about music. Not yeah. You're not a bookkeeper if you're making music. So I also remember that you once told me this with um, when I was in your studio, is that when you master or mix a song, um, you, you sometimes, I'm not sure what it was, like you turn off the screen or you close your eyes? One of the two um, things. I'm working with three screens. I have one screen in my desk, so I have to look down to see the screen, which is my main screen. Then I have a big TV. It's, it's hard to see, but it, it's a big TV, which is standing in the back there. Mm -hmm. And when I look straight into the front wall, I don't see the screen. Sure, I see it from, from the angle of my eyes, uh, but I don't see the screen. I don't see the plugins. I don't see what I'm doing, uh, which means not looking at the screen, means you're listening better yeah because especially men you date the men and people in particular cannot do two things at the same time you cannot look and listen exactly the same thing and that's why blind people for example have way better hearing because yeah. they don't have anything to see yeah they just focus on their ears yeah so and they, they train yeah. their uh what's the name like um senses the mm -hmm. different yeah. like if everything works like your eyes work your your ears work then everything's kind of all all good but if yeah. you're if you're blind all the the focus but has the to go folks. to your ears yeah true yeah, yeah. And that's what's also not the same of course but that's also happening when um uh, working with hardware you're not looking at a screen you're just turning yeah. knobs until it sounds right so and i think Great that's team. really important it's so, it's yeah. super basic but I think that's the power of it, as in, yeah. I think most people forget about these basic things, like yeah. how your how your brain and uh, mind works, because if you close your, simply close your eyes, you will start to hear better. True. Totally true. Weird, weird. Yeah. But yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah. Great tip. Yeah. yeah, it's the same with, with what I have on my screen, the big screen over there, mm -hmm. uh, which is about, I think, two meters away from where I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm using just that screen just for my plugins. And actually, because my eyes are not that good anymore and the screen is that far away, I actually have to focus on seeing the numbers. So even when using plugins, I don't really see the numbers. I just turn knobs until it sounds right. Yeah. So, yeah. Great tip. I think a lot of producers will uh, 
we'll start to use this after this. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. After listening. Don't to focus this. on the numbers. Focus on how it sounds. Yeah. Turn it's, off your screen every now and turn then. Turn off your screen. Yeah, totally true. Yeah. So talking about tips, because what I wanted to talk to you about today is. Um, your experience of what you see happening a lot when you receive a master or a mix from a certain producer, like what are the most com- <coughs> the most common things you run into and, and how can a producer solve it? Uh, one of the big issues that still happens quite often is that people, especially in the dance scene, uh, mix into a limiter. So mm-hmm. they have a limiter on their master bus and they make their mix decisions based on that limiter. But for mastering, if you send that send it out to a mastering engineer, you don't want that limit to be to be on because you're literally limited to what you can do about it. Because yeah, yeah it's it's already crushed and a lot of energy is already gone. Um, but when you mixed into a limiter and you remove that limiter so that you can send it over to the mastering engineer, uh, a lot of times the mix simply falls apart, which means the bass drum is too loud or this is too soft or the output is clipping or that, there could be a lot of things going wrong. So, and that happens because you're mixing into a limiter uh, and you're making decisions based on that. Uh, so I always advise to don't mix into a limiter, but it's a good idea to have a limiter on your master bus so that you can switch it on every now and then so that you get a feeling of what yeah. it sounds like after it's been limited because yeah. a limiter could also add a certain sound to it. And it could be that all of a sudden you come to the conclusion like, okay, my mix is not that good because the limiter really needs to work hard to get to a certain loudness. Uh, and that's also the reason why people tend to mix into a limiter, but you have to think the other way around. Just yeah. mix without a limiter and sometimes turn it on so that you can have a listen like, okay, this is what it's going to sound like. Yeah, rough ballpark, of course, because it's it's never going to be the same as real mastering because mastering is not just a limiter. There's way more to it, but yeah, um, at least you get a, a rough idea of what is going on with your music. Then, so yeah, so that happens I, a lot. Yeah, that's the way how I used to do it. As in, uh, I was just mixing the song, and then I had Isotope on uh, on the mastering. Uh, on the master channel every now and then when I wanted to experience the full embodied sound, sort of. Yeah. I just turned it on, opened up the volume, listened how it sounded, and then mm-hmm. turned it off again and started mixing. Yeah, what you could also do, because people are like, yeah, but it's going to be way louder when you're uh, uh, sending it to a limiter, and then it's hard to compare to what it will sound like. But you also have an output knob in your limiter, so maybe you have to set it back like, I don't know, like 12 dB maybe. So the output gain is set back to minus 12, but you still get the same level. And don't look at the numbers again, but just use your ears so that it's level matched, so that you have an idea of what it sounds like yeah. at the same level. So, and, and do you still think like, at least the last time I made music, I, I really liked Ozotope as like an easy to use plugin, which gets pretty decent results pretty quickly. It actually can get really good results. Uh, yeah. A couple of weeks ago or a month ago, I don't know, uh, Ozone 10 came out. Mm-hmm. I instantly bought it. I instantly bought the upgrade because I really think it's a great plugin. But mastering and making music is not about the plugins you use or the hardware you use. It's about how you use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some really cool things in Ozone. Like the, the limiter, for instance, is really good. It has its own sound. And if I hear something, I can instantly hear 
that it's an ozone limiter. But nine out of 10 times, that's also because people pushed it too much. They tried to get the loudness from the limiter. Yeah. A limiter will not make it loud. Actually, if there's a speed limit on a highway, it's not like, ah, there's a speed limit. I can only drive 80 kilometers an hour. You're not going faster. You're limited to that speed. That's what a limiter does. It li literally limits the output. It might sound perceived louder, but you're actually limiting the output. Loudness is not right. coming from, from a limiter. You will never get loud results from a limiter. So what does bring the loudness in a song? Um, arrangement, mixing. Um, some people uh, try to make the breaks and uh, drops and everything. They wanted to make it all loud. But loudness only exists if there's something which is not loud. So the difference yeah. between less loud, a break, and a drop, that's where the loudness comes from. The balance. So you have, no, 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 not the balance. So, no, so, no, like the balance between... Oh, the balance, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you said balance. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no the balance, it's, it's all about the balance. So if you have a break and the break is really soft and all of a sudden the drop comes in, bam, then you get loudness and it doesn't even have to be that loud. Hmm. It's about dynamics, the difference between loud and less loud. That's where the loudness comes from. And that's what I sometimes think is funny is that some EDM producers, EDM DJs mostly actually, uh, they have a track which is crushed to death. So all <laughs> life is out of it. But what do they do? They make kind of like a fade out in the break, like 3, 4 dB down or something like yeah. that. And then when the drop comes in, then they take it back to zero. So you see an actual fade, <laughs> but it's, it's not the same because it's still crushed. You you kind of get that feeling. But if you make the breaks uh, less limited, less loud, you will get way more impact. That's where the loudness comes from. Ah, that's yeah. That's also good to know for a lot of, <coughs> a lot of producers because it's so intuitive to say like crush it, you know, like bring it to the max because yeah. I want to make it sound uh, the loudest possible. Yeah, but yeah. that's actually contrary to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, it is. And mm. the cool thing is also that uh, what a lot of people try to do, they want to make it more loud. So they add another layer of synthesizers and another, I don't know, bass drum, another snare drum, another this, another that. But it, the more elements you add, the more of the less room there is to breathe, for the mix to breathe. So it means it will sound perceived less loud. It might look louder on the meters. So a number, but in fact, it's less loud yeah. so use less elements try to mute some channels see what it sounds like does it sound better then remove those channels you don't yeah. need it some time ago i had a project uh, for a client of mine and uh, he was like yeah could you also mix this track because i have really a lot of problems mixing it but i'm not a mixing engineer so i sent it over to another mixing engineer who did the mixing and i did the mastering afterwards and it sounded great and so the question from the producer was, yeah, the, to the to the mixing engineer was in between with the emails of things like, yeah, what what exactly did you do? Because of, I had like five or six bass drums and yeah, it was all layering that and it went, yeah, it didn't sound good. What did you do? I muted five bass drums and I only had one bass drum left and then it sounded good. Yeah. So he basically took like a lot of channels out and it sounded great. So less yeah. is more always. So... That's, with that's, these kind of things yeah that's what i see a lot with clients as well like if they struggle with um with their song as in it, it doesn't feel it doesn't sound finished or it's, it doesn't sound good enough 
if you simply start muting a simple few of the elements, most of the time their uh, like space opens up and the track true. sounds better. Yeah, true. In yeah. most cases. Yeah. But for some reason, um, people think that it's better to add more channels because it needs to sound bigger. So mm. I need to add more. No, think the other think the other way around. Try to mute some channels, make Less it more. smaller, which makes it more more open and more yeah. powerful, especially in the club. Because if you're playing your music in a club, uh, also people try to um, emulate the sound of a big room, like they're adding lots of reverbs and things like that. No, think the other way around. The room itself adds reverb. So if you want to make it sound big. Don't add that reverb, but let the room add that reverb. Exactly. And and doesn't that bring a problem if you listen to big room music on, let's say, AirPods? Yeah, true. It's not like you should mute all your reverbs and don't use yeah. reverbs, but people tend to use reverb on everything. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. So yeah. it's more like don't <laughs> use a, a reverb on a bass drum, don't use a reverb on that. Just use it on, I don't know, like a, a lead synthesizer or thing yeah. like that. But don't overdo it. And also, don't use too long... Um, um, uh, tails? Uh, yeah, long tails, because yeah. that will also clutter your mix. It will also fill in the empty gaps of your mix, yeah. which means there's less room to breathe, which means it's less open and less powerful. So Yeah, I think you should approach music as a, as a living organism, you know, it, it, it yeah. should breathe, it should move, uh, yeah. and it's not this constant sausage no, um, no. without any balance. Yeah. yeah, that's why classical music, for instance, has mm. a lot of impact because it's really soft and it goes down and all of a sudden then whoosh, it goes up and then you're like, yeah. wow, what's happening now? All music should be like that, yeah. not just classical music but i think all music should be like that actually the fun fact is that i have a um uh um uh, what's it called uh, uh, i wrote something about uh, the dynamics in a mix and how it can improve your loudness on for instance spotify oh nice because if you're making the breaks lower in level the overall level the overall loss value will be lower because of that so uh, just Throwing some numbers, let's say if you have a track and the breaks are minus 10 loves and uh, the drops are minus 8 loves. So there's a difference of 2 loves. Mm -hmm. So the overall value will be something like, I don't know, like minus 9. That will be taken down like 5 dB. But if you have the breaks at minus 16 or minus 17 or whatever and the drops at minus 9, the difference between those levels is way bigger. Yeah. And that means that... The overall level, the integrated level, it's what it's called, will be lower, which means it will be turned down less by Spotify and YouTube and other uh, every other streaming service. Yeah. And it means that the louder sections will actually sound louder. Yeah. Um, this is actually good to mention because I think in the last podcast we did, you really explained this into detail about mm -hmm. how streaming services uh, treat your song. Yeah. Like why, what the difference is with loves and, and loudness and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so if people are not familiar with that, go back and listen to that ep episode. But it's really good to realize that even in, in this matter, like the more balance you bring into your song, the louder people will perceive it on, yeah. on, on uh, streaming services. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's all about... You, 
Yeah, it's yeah, all because about if you listen to certain EDM songs, especially the old ones from uh, 2014, 15, uh, who, which are all crushed, if you yeah. listen to them on Spotify, pretty soft, actually. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But they are like, people are like, yeah, but my song is uh, reduced to minus 14 and it still doesn't sound as loud as that song or that song. Totally true. Yeah. Uh, because it's one sausage of minus 14. But if you have a sausage with, bumps in it those yeah. bumps will be louder than minus 40 because yeah. all those loudness normalization uh standards work with um the integrated loudness so the beginning till the end and that's where the number comes from and that's when they take it down and all some people also think that the loudness normalization is a limiter it's not it's just a volume knob they just mm -hmm. turn down the volume knob so they're not changing your music so yeah. you don't have to be afraid of that so yeah, but still, I must say that um, I'm not sure how that works, but I listen to a lot of different styles of genres of music on Spotify, for example. <coughs> and especially if you listen to uh, the older styles, so the, the disco-ish kind of music, mm -hmm. um, most of those songs still sound a lot softer than um, true. Yeah, most yeah. more recent songs. Yeah, true. Uh, that's because uh, a lot of those old songs, they just uploaded the old master, which yeah. was not uh, the, the standard, the standard, the the guideline is minus 14 loves. All streaming services basically work at minus 14 loves. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of misconception about that, but they work at minus 14 loves. But if your song is lower than minus 14 loves, so let's say minus 16, then it will simply be 2 dB lower in level. And those they, older they won't songs, push it up. No, they won't push it up, luckily, because otherwise it would be limited. Mm. That's what Spotify used to do, they have, maybe you've seen it, you have three settings in Spotify yeah. you can choose from, uh, which is normal, which is minus 14. You have, I think it's called dynamic, which is at minus 23. And you have loud, or I don't know what it's called. And that's at minus 11 loves. Uh, yeah. And like a year, one and a half year ago, uh, they changed it to not limiting it, your song anymore. But before that, if your song was like, I don't know, minus 14, they used a limiter to bring that song to minus yeah. 11 at the loud setting. So ah, okay. even if your song was dynamic, they crushed it. But now they, they use a different system. It's, it's maybe, too complex. Yeah, maybe that's why I, I notice it now. But now it really stands out to me. If I listen to a certain playlist, I really notice volume differences in, in certain songs. But yeah. it definitely has to, <coughs> could have something to do with the fact that it's old. And uh, that's why yeah. you see a lot of, let's say, Bee Gees and ABBA music, which says remastered. No? Yeah, yeah, it's not always a good idea to do that, to be honest. But uh, sometimes the remastered version sounds yeah. just louder and it works in the playlist. Um, but not always. Uh, also, there's another thing um, with Spotify and other streaming services as well, uh, which you have to take into account. Not all Bluetooth speakers, I think, like that, make use of the loudness normalization when you stream it to that Bluetooth speaker or a Chromecast audio, for instance, you will not make use of the loudness globalization then. Okay, so, so how does that work? Um, not, I don't know exactly how it works, but I have a, a Chromecast audio, um, which they don't sell anymore, look, too bad. But <laughs> I use that. I, I, I open Spotify on my phone and I simply cast it to that Chromecast audio. But then you get the actual level and no loudness normalization. The same goes for Bluetooth mm. speakers, but I think it also depends on how they implemented it. So 
loudness normalization doesn't always work. Also, if you use it in a web browser, like uh, yeah, if, if you open uh, Spotify in your web browser, you're mm -hmm. also not making use of that loudness normalization. Hmm, so, I didn't know that. How, yeah. how about Sonos? Do you know that? To be honest, no idea. No. Because I do feel like everything here in my house is Sonos, but I do feel like um, it sounds different, as in it's kind of compressed or it's kind of like a hi-fi system, you know, like it sounds yeah. boosted. Yeah, I think Sonos is Bluetooth. Uh, no, it's um, you have Bluetooth, but we have it over like Wi-Fi. Uh, okay, yeah. To be honest, I have no idea how that mm. works. I've never went into depth with. No, okay. Sonos. It's just that I thought yeah. like because it is some sort of streaming service because you use Spotify to stream your music, but yeah, it's a bit unclear to me how that works. Okay, that no, works. I have no idea to be honest. So oh, no problem. <laughs> Maybe I will dig into it. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. I wanted to add is, which we talked about earlier, <coughs> about the dynamics and also with um, uh, something I learned in, in Rock Academy, a school uh, which I've been to, which really made sense to me, but I never really thought about it, is if you make music and with synthesizers and stuff, the power of hardware as well is the fact that you use your fingers. So the, the um, example you gave of uh, orchestral music, classical music, a violin, for example, gets played by the human arm and the human arm is never consistent in yeah. the strength of something that you use. Yeah. So that's why it sounds so organic. And once you start making uh, computer music, let's say, it's all like every note is the same hit. But if you hit a keyboard with your finger, it's never the exact same. Yeah, it's true. always a little bit slightly yeah. different. Yeah, but also, uh, for instance, an analog synthesizer, it's voltages and things like that, especially, for instance, a mini MOOC, it will never be the same. Even if you play the same note like an hour later, it could be totally different because it warmed up more or things like that. That's yeah. also what you want. Also, a 909 drum machine, for instance, um, the sound it, the sounds itself influence each other because if you have, um, now to think out of my mind, uh, the snare drum and a tom, if you play that together, they use the same oscillators and things and they combine it and it sounds different. But also the sequencer back in, I think it was released in 1984, 1985, something like that. The timing wasn't correct. So yeah. it was literally living. It might use yeah. the same tempo all the time, but that didn't mean that the notes were all starting exactly at the same time. Yeah. So it, it has kind of like a life of itself. Same with the yeah. 303. It's the same thing. It doesn't. The sequencer is pretty random when it comes never to that. Never perfect. So yeah, it's never perfect, and that's that, why it sounds good. That was Using, one of the yeah. <coughs> that was one of the things I learned from um, Chocolate Puma. Mm -hmm. uh, I once saw in a video that the only thing that they use as like a strict rhythm is, is the bass line. So it's yeah. the kick, like boom, boom. That's that's set. Yeah. But everything around that gets played in with their hands. So yeah, drums, true. percussion. Yeah. I did the uh, same thing when I was making music. Yeah. I never used the quantize function on exactly. hi-hats, snare drums, things like that. I never. Yeah, because if yeah. you use quantize, quantization, 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 uh, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, you kind of take out the living aspect of it. Yeah, true. Totally true. Yeah. And I think that that's an important thing for at, at least the new generation of producers to realize because it's so easy to select everything and say quantize. But you take the life out of it. Yeah, it's a computer you, file. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a computer file and it's not yeah. a human a breathing, living organism anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. What I used uh, back then, I was when I was playing like uh, uh, a melody line or something. I just played it a couple of times in a row, and then most of the times I used two of those and used that in a loop. And I sometimes changed it like, okay, now I'm going to use this one. Now I'm going to use yeah. that one, so that I had kind of like a live feeling to it. And that's why disco, for instance. That's why it sounds funky. And that's why it sounds alive because it was never the same. Even yeah. the tempo changes over time, which is a nightmare for DJs, by the way, <laughs> yeah. especially yeah. if you play final. But exactly, uh, that's why it sounds that lively. Yeah. Did, did you see the the movie about James Brown? Get up, uh, of Get on up. No. Uh, it, it was. It's like. Um, it was on Netflix, but they took it off. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, but it's uh, it's it's a movie made about the life of James Brown, and you see a lot of like studio moments in there where they, where he's in the studio with his band, mm-hmm. and he was crazy when it comes down to rhythm. So yeah. the drummer started playing. He was like, "No, later, later. Like put that snare later. Like a, f- yeah. a friction slide later, and then the funk started. You know, yeah, like, true. So, funk so is cool the cool thing is that funk is not. In between the, it's not on the notes itself, but exactly. it's actually living in between the notes. Yeah, and that's why uh, I also don't believe in music which is faster than something like 140, 145 BPM, because then the 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 simply said the distance between those sh- notes will yeah. be too small. So yeah. there's no room for the funk. Yeah. So there's no no room for the soul. So yeah, yeah. good stuff. I think uh, this is valuable for. At least the definitely the, the new generation of producers because I hope so. I think most of those producers are um, kind of forgetting about the basics of music, you know, like the fact that it comes from a human and from your hands and not from yeah. a, you you have to use your computer as an instrument, but not the other way around. Uh, yeah, yeah, but not let it decide everything. I think. No, totally true. Yeah, yeah. make it live. Yeah, exactly. and also uh, don't overthink your music don't work on it too long because then you also get you don't get the spontaneous feeling if you're working on it like two weeks on a track trust me the instant feeling you had was gone uh the funny thing is back in the days when i was making music which was done with analog gear uh, i was also making music with a friend of mine and we're still best friends Mm -hmm. and we have to play together in germany on the 23rd of the 25th of november uh, somewhere in berlin Nice. Uh, but when we made music, uh, we just, he came over to my studio and we just sit there. We had dinner. We uh, exchanged some ideas like, let's do this, let's do that. And then we started. And we, when we didn't have anything that could really work within, let's say, one and a half hour, we simply stopped because it, it, yeah. will, it would never work. We simply deleted the project and that was not the day. And yeah. we continue the other day or something like that. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's a very smart tactic because again, it's it's a human thing, you know. It's um, eventually music is emotion and is, is feeling. Yeah, and if you can't really um, how do you say it? like you can't really push that. No, it's it's there or it's not, but it's no. not like something you can really push, in my no. opinion. And if it's not there, just stop. It's not the right day for it. Then exactly. Yeah, it's and fun. don't keep those projects because. Trust me, you will never finish those projects. And if you do, it will still have that feeling, which was not really a feeling anyway. Yeah. So it will not work. Just delete those files. Yeah. Just Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Jeffrey, for uh, for today. It's uh, it's been very valuable. I think there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, could be used for producers in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been good catching up. 
Yeah, and, totally. Um, regarding the um, the hardware and the it's also software, right? Steering. Yeah, it's a combination. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what, what can people? Where can they find this? Uh, the website is uh, Dutch dot audio so not dutch audio dot nl or something like that but it's dutch so d-u-t-c-h dot audio yeah so that's there they can order it as well they can order it as well yeah so but, uh, it. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're still delivering the old yeah the old yeah the old versions of it yeah. so the the basic versions but uh hopefully next month uh we will actually release a product where i'm actually beta testing of or alpha testing the plugin uh, as we speak so yeah nice. maybe i can show you a screenshot uh, if i turn the webcam see if this is going to work maybe that works yeah so this is the hardware so oh, this nice. one yeah. with the display and if i turn this you can see oh, yeah. and that wasn't and in the first version that was not in the first version and this is the alpha mm. version of the plugin so and what's the name? Is it Dutch Audio or is it? Yeah, it's Dutch Audio, and this what one is, is called the uh, the IC Insert Computer 1.1. So the IC okay. 1.1. And it's a mastering plugin. Uh, yeah, it's it's a mastering hardware, hard mastering insert yeah. machine, control computer, whatever you call it. But yeah. it's controlled with a plugin. So the plugin is not passing any audio. It's basically just the remote. Um, a robot yeah. making changes to the hardware and the other way around because. I can also push a button on the hardware and it will also change right away in the plugin. And I just click save and then okay. it's all saved. Nice. So, Congrats with that. And um, we'll stay in touch in the future. Totally. Thanks. Okay. Take care, man. Thank you.